0: hi there welcome along to this week's high performance podcast as always it's so nice to see the messages and the thoughts that you've had after last week's episode but it is really important to us if you're able to rate it and review it and share it with as many people as you like of course you can follow us across instagram i'm at jake humphrey damian is at liquid thinker and you can also find the podcast at high performance on instagram and check out our youtube channel as well This podcast is here to challenge you, and this week's guest will do just that. Trust me, you simply will not be expecting the kind of conversation that you're about to hear.
1: I want to be all I can be, and if I'm going to do that, I've got to stop looking at rugby. You know, it's a bit like winning the World Cup. The immensity of that, the ecstasy of that moment, incredible, but within three or four seconds, it's on the decline.
0: Mm. There's no lasting nature to it. There's that and so much more to come from this week's fascinating guest. Let's do it then. It's time for this week's episode of the High Performance Podcast.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
0: Hi there, I'm Jay Comfrey, you're listening to High Performance, the podcast that delves into the minds of some of the most successful athletes, visionaries, entrepreneurs and artists on the planet and aims to unlock the very secrets to their success. Now everyone needs a professor in their life and mine is also an author and an expert in the success of sporting teams and cultures, Damien Hughes. Now Damien, you've done a lot of work in... In rugby, Um, and there are a few people in rugby that intrigue us um, as much as today's guest. What are you
4: looking forward to learning about? Mm -hmm. I think there's one word that stands out for our guest today, Jake, which is courage. And that's not just the physical courage required to step over the line on a rugby field. This is the courage to open up to talk about some of the challenges, the struggles, and shift the dial in terms of the importance of mental health and some of those factors. And today's guest has demonstrated bucket loads of courage to shift the dial in that way. So I'm really excited.
0: Me too. Okay, let's get on with it then and welcome a man whose career may well be defined by that one kick against Australia that won the World Cup for England, but what really interests us more is how he controlled his mind and his body to get there, the struggles he overcame, the mindset he created, the values that he considered to be important, and as Damien just mentioned, not just the courage he showed as a player, but the courage he showed to address the struggles that came with his chosen life. Welcome to the podcast, Johnny Wilkinson. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you with us. Let's start as we always do do what in your mind is high performance i think high performance is about if you'd asked me
1: some of these i imagine these questions coming up midway through my career you get a very different answer than towards the end and essentially it's a very very different answer to where i am now which is high performance when i was younger was was about outcomes i'd have painted a picture of you know, it was all about whether the ball went through the post, whether the pass hit this, whether it you know, hit the mark, whether the guy was tackled, whether he went backwards. All of these things were written up on a stat sheet and that defined who you are and whether you're a success and what have you. Um, as I got further down, um, my exploration of performance and potential, all these things, I started to understand that for me, high performance is, is about absolute engagement. Instead of at the time of playing rugby, it was more about what does what a good game look like? What does a good number 10 look like? What does a good career look like? I look at it now as being like, what What would be you know, a great life lived? And no answer satisfied me until I sort of started to vaguely feel right, which was all of me in every moment. And that's performance. You're either fully attentive and engaged or you're not. And that presence, that, I guess, that deep involvement is performance. There's, for me, there's no other way of defining it. The out-to-in version of outcomes and, you know, ticks and all those sort of things and crosses and the, is what led me down the route of great mental health. Um, was more of a manifestation of my, my kind of conflicted inner state. Um, and breaking out of that is where I suddenly realized all the flow, all the intuition, all the feel, all the grace, and all the real possibility lied. And, and I kind of fought that for the, most of my career until the end when I gave into it and suddenly started to find all that passion again.
0: So do you think that you be, could have lived in this present, flow-like, passionate, completely engaged state when you were playing rugby? Or did you need, when you were an elite rugby player, to be obsessed with the stats? Because that was what was going to determine whether you won or lost a game. It's It's a... A
1: good question, but it's, it's quite a simple answer is that that's how I lived,
0: yeah.
1: between the whistles. So on a Saturday afternoon, for the majority of the time, between half two and four o'clock, I was in that state. That's why I was able to do what I did. The thing was, is I just created an idea, as most people do, that that state is revealed or earned through great suffering and sacrifice. So there seems to be this deep understanding which I've explored and experienced otherwise since, that by suffering and stressing and fighting, you somehow end up in a joyful, flowing state. Whereas my understanding, my own experience of it tended to be that by spending my time suffering, stressing and sacrificing, what I did was create stronger habits of suffering, stressing and sacrificing. It's a bit like the whole kind of, You know when i grow up when i get my car when i get my promotion when i get my family when i get my big house when i get to retirement that's when my joy is going to hit me when i've got enough money but then even when you've got the boat in the in the yeah in the in the sunny port you're still suffering and setting for the next thing and and unfortunately there's become a new one which has taken shape more recently which is is going to leave no opportunity for turning inward which is people now think that leaving a legacy after once they've gone was what bring joy I mean, it's ludicrous. And that's kind of where I was, you know, my whole rugby career was like, I'm going to suffer through this because I'm going to leave the greatest mark. It's like, well, what happens to just flourishing and enjoying and loving life? And then you realize that being in a change room before a game is where you see it happen. You see that fragility of people that believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. This idea that self-belief is going to create self-exploration on the field is crazy. Self-belief represents itself as fragility. Look at anyone that's in the middle of self-belief. You'll see someone who's covering up fear. Look at someone who's willing to be open to the future and say, let's just see. You'll see someone who's physically and ready, mentally ready. But the story always ends with, uh, I'm always fine when the whistle goes, which is like saying, well, I've spent my time in the changing room trying to live ahead of myself. And when the whistle goes, I'm prepared to live now. Why not just live now all the time? And it's, and it's been my exploration for the last 15 years because of n- mental health issues that, that left me in nowhere else to turn but inwards. And there I found I've never found anything of substance, anything of truth. I've found nothing solid. I've certainly found no boundaries. All I've found is opportunity, um, space, and deeper dimensions of
4: experience. See, Johnny, it sounds that a lot of that description that you've given in terms of what you've found describes childhood in many ways. Yeah. That You don't see a child planning for the future. They play in the moment, in the yeah. playground. It's it, 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 it's the immediate. So would you say that some of what you've discovered is almost coming back to that childhood state of playing for the pleasure of it, living for yeah. the moment?
1: I look at the childhood experience, and I remember from my own that, you're able to become whatever you need to become to make the most of every moment. Like a child says, I'm going to be an astronaut. They are an astronaut. They're not me mm-hmm. pretending to be an astronaut. They become an astronaut because there isn't that sense of this is who I, who I really am and therefore I'm pretending. They haven't got an idea of who they are yet, so they can be anything they want, which means they can engage fully in any moment. The imagination is vibrant because there isn't this solid path to who I've become. Yeah. The thing is though, is that that childhood experience for me and my exploration of of things is is unconscious. It's an unconscious freedom, which means it can be lost and it is lost and it's influenced by the outside. And by me being falling into that cycle of trying to become someone that self-importance of wanting to know myself and knowing how the world works is that that's the path towards going back to that childlike experience, but consciously so without the the experience for me of suffering the mental health stuff there was no way of going back there consciously and there's no other route but to the only way to go back to being free of the identity of who i become you know this is is to i want to say just let it go but essentially what that means is it's got to die and that sounds very strong but it's almost like in order to fully live you need to are you willing to die to fully live yeah or are you just living to die now that's the thing for me is that I got to a point where I was protecting this old identity Mm. this all this stuff that had become me and I use the the kind of way of articulating it for me is that this is not so much experience there's so much concepts and ideas that I I came into this world with a leaning towards picking things up in certain ways and that leaning goes back generations or goes back culturally or, or whatever you want to call it previously and that leaning was to start to shape things, understandings in certain ways. And one of the understandings I picked up very early was about mortality. And it scared the hell out of me at a very, very young age, probably younger than normal.
4: And what was it that, 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 that triggered that fear? I, I don't know. It, that was just,
1: the, it was, there was a sense of doom about being alive. Right. And that for me was, was in the mortality. And what I did was sort of say, right, I need to come up with an answer to mortality, and from a childlike state, what I came up with kind of was was just a big self-belief or a big belief that if I'm perfect, when I get to the pearly gates I'd heard about, I'm going to hand over my CV and be like, come on, that's good enough to get in, isn't it? And I needed ticks everywhere. So that would decide, yeah, therefore my definitions of what's good, bad, so all the uncontrollables in life just destroyed me. Right. And and therefore what so I you could, were
0: obsessed with perfection at this point, were In you? order
1: to rid myself of this sense of right. doom. So there wasn't a pleasure right. in the perfection, which is where the compulsive What age are we talking, Jay? from Yeah, from, f- I guess, four or five, you know. So
0: your your daily actions and your daily thoughts at four or five years old started, were determined by started this to desire be. to get rid of the feeling of doom and well, fear to, of death. To, right? Yeah,
1: to a degree. I mean, when I'm talking about this, it's not like it wasn't every moment. Yeah. I was a child. I, I loved life. I went and played basketball, and I, and I played my rugby, and I had my friends, and it was great, but... Often there were periods where I just fell into these big holes where it became yeah. whatever, and I I created this idea that that by being perfect I would be spared the yeah I, I, that would be my I guess my yeah my solace it. yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be my 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 saving grace and and as a result I then unfortunately <laughs> had at the same time a ridiculous passion for competitive sport. So now i'm going into competitive sport with a need to be perfect yeah now competitive sport is a is an environment where you've got a lot of other people also wanting to have their way and you can't guarantee anything so therefore i had a passion mixed with a deep kind of understanding of life that put me in a state before games and after games in terms of over analysis and and the anticipation beforehand just crippling fear of this idea that what I was about to go through or what I'd what I'd already been through had defined me.
4: Mm.
1: And that no matter the, the crazy thing was, no matter what I'd been through, how many kicks I'd missed, the next game held the uh, the opportunity to rid myself of that, which was a kind of almost counter sort of my own belief yeah. that I could somehow change my past by being more perfect in the in the next game. So I just put more and more pressure on the next game. So this idea in rugby that you're only as good as your last game and your next game will define you just added to the fuel to the fire so you, I was just you said hiding.
0: unfortunately there though when you were talking about it like unfortunately I was obsessed with being perfect yeah. and I loved elite sport isn't there an element though of fortunately I was obsessed with being perfect and I loved elite sport because I was of the opinion that the reason why you became the leading rugby player of your generation was the combination of obsession and love for the sport yeah yeah maybe or was it in spite of that that you still got to the top no,
1: there's. it's all in there. Yeah. I'm sure it's all in there. Um, but it was a classic journey towards heading down a dark yeah. hole. There's no other way for it to go. because and, and the inevitable part of that cycle is, as I was succeeding a bit more, I was reinforcing those old ideas. They were getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And you could hear it in the way I was speaking. And I call that, doesn't matter what those ideas are, whether they're negative or positive about yourself, when they get reinforced, they become more important. Therefore, I call that self-importance. Mm-hmm. Knowing who you are
4: mm-hmm.
1: with more and more surety becomes self-importance. And that self-importance was clearly evident in everything i spoke about so as an 18 year old you mentioned that childlike side i went to newcastle as an 18 year old i'm stood around Inga twig and Marla and rob andrew and dean ryan and and pat lamb and and these you know gary armstrong and Doddy will all these amazing i mean i could name the lot i just thought i'll just name the internationals i'm like oh shit the entire team is an international team and um and i was just a, a kid in there and if i got five minutes or if I got two minutes or one play in the team run before a game, I was on the bench most of the time in that first year, or for half the first half of the year. If I got on the team run, the the session before the the game, if I got on there for one play, I was kind of like, "Whoa!" When I did get on there, I was just like, "Look what I'm going to give it." Fast forward eight, ten years, I'm the guy in the change room, and the only thing I'm talking about is pressure, expectation. I'm judging the hell out of everyone around me. You're not professional. Other oh, guys are a waste of time. They'll never make it. No, it needs to be like this. Oh, God, you know, that coaching's rubbish. They should be... The- this is what I'm talking like. Go back 10 years. I'm just opportunity. I'm a walking embodiment of opportunity yeah. and passion. Now, the only result of that is self-importance. Because when I was 18, I'm like, I'm a nobody. I've got nothing to lose. I'm just exploring. Now I'm a somebody... I've got everything to lose, and that's why I'm feeling pressure. I've become solid, so those forces are all are compressing me. Whereas when I'm nothing, I'm just fluid. Hence, mm. flow. So nothing can. I just wind blows me this way. I don't need to stand against it because I'm not this direction. I'll go any direction. You look at the most beautiful geniuses on the field. They're not solid, so they bend, they flow. They abo- hold your beliefs lightly. Look at, look at a Zidane or a Federer. Yeah. The ball goes here. It's kind of like they don't expect anything. Or they expect everything at the same time. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's otherwise known as being completely open and ready. Now, what I was before the game was just absolute rigidity. I, yeah. But on the field, you let go because, you, because what I designed myself into was a plug that fit the socket of rugby on the field. So anywhere that wasn't on that field, I couldn't plug in. At home, I'd be thinking about the next game. After the game, I'd be thinking about this game. If I'm trying to eat a meal, I'd be half thinking about this. Am I doing this? How do I look? But as soon as I went onto the rugby field, that first whistle went, who I'd become fit that socket. You plug in, and suddenly you talk about being in the zone and effortless. And, but as soon as the referee blows his whistle and says penalty, suddenly I'm like, now it's about me. So I, the way I articulate that self-importance is the thought, what about me? Now, as soon as you see a referee give a penalty, you look at a kicker. Moments before, they're playing the game and they're just effortless. As soon as they suddenly the referee blows the whistle, you see them change. They go, and you're like, well, hold on, just be as you were. Why? Because the thought, what about me, comes in. And it may be, what if I miss this? But it ultimately reduces down to, what about me if I miss this? And then people talk about, like I did, self-importance, the pressure, the expectation. But take away the thought, what about me, Where's pressure? Take away the thought, wh- mm. what, a, what happens if this goes wrong? Where's fear of failure? And it just comes down to self-importance. And what it was was that I'd allowed myself to think that I knew who I was and I knew how life worked. And as a result, I had that to protect. And now I'm talking about pressure and expectation. So when I hear that, I say, I realized more towards the end of my career that I was just kind of like, there's no such thing.
4: Mm.
1: It's up to me how I am on the inside. And what I, I just didn't know I was doing it. Now I do.
4: It's my choice now. So, can I ask you a question then, Johnny? Around we get a lot of people listening to this that are teachers or sports coaches. They may have switched that are working. Off by
1: now, Is that what you're saying? <laughs> they may have gone.
4: No, no, no. But I think that some of the characteristics you described that some of the, like a traditional sports coach would see you as the perfect player. You're, You're the embodiment of what I want my players to do. And yet you're challenging that convention. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to a parent with an aspiring sports child or, or a coach or somebody to avoid that trap of building up this idea of perfection or self-importance?
1: There is no right or wrong. It's the very nature of lack of self-importance. There is no good, bad, right and wrong. It's just, it just is. There's a deep acceptance to everything. And what I mean by that is there's also an exploration to everything. So if a and that's where when you talk about childlike, it's the curiosity that comes with it, that means that anything's a possibility. So if there's great disappointment, be curious about the disappointment. Yeah. Don't be angry at the situation. Be curious about the disappointment. So it's an inward journey. And if you point inwards, you, there's no limit there. So a degree of just pure curiosity, exploration, with the aim of finding new space, which is new opportunity, which keeps passion alive. So how much was that encouraged for you in the dressing room environments you were going into? Well, you probably know the answer to that already. You know, we had team talks where, before a game, you know, you have this week, and I'm chatting to the boys before a big game, and I'm saying, look, let's just go out there. Let's just do it. It's what we've trained for. It's beautiful to be here. What a privilege. Just go out there and love every moment. I mean, breathe it in. Yeah, and then you go in and the coach says, boys, we can't lose this one. If we lose this one, there's Susan. I'm sat there going, right. Now, that's that energy gone. And you can feel the energy palpably change the the fact is you ask any coach or 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 captain or player what do you want from your team i just i want them to to perform brilliantly so what do you need them to feel i want them to feel at their very best so if that's the case look at everything you're doing what do i need for myself i want to feel liberated okay is what you're doing liberating you or doing the opposite is what you're doing for your team allowing them to be all they can be or are you needing them to be how you want them to be i have a situation now you're mentioning about the 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 conventional idea of what i brought to the game was a lot of practice and dedication now when that was through passion it's not work it's not dedication it's just enjoying your damn life it's doing what you love doing and spending all your time doing it i say that to anyone what they'll tell you is it sounds like a holiday that's what it was. It was a choice. Now, when it becomes effort, people think that's somehow courageous and worthy. It's like, no, it's just a, a loss of passion. And what that means is there's no new space. If, if, a, if anyone feels like they're improving and they're growing, there'll be passion. No one steps away from a journey when you feel like they've just opened. And you, no one, you don't go into a house and go, oh, this is rubbish. And then you see a door and you're like, that door's unlocked. Wow. Right. And then just walk off. You go in the door. You're suddenly like, I wonder what's in there. That's what the journey is. So the journey of that is to reveal new space in everything. Reveal the space of opportunity in disappointment. Reveal the space of opportunity in losing. Now, there's stories about change or invincibility for me was that people were standing there being like, we haven't lost, we're unbeaten, or or, we can do this, we're not going to lose. Now, that same invincibility or sense of invincibility also parades itself in this feeling deep down of being like I hope the opposition don't travel well I hope their lead guy's injured I hope that guy's not playing or he has a tough game I hope the refs on our side or that wind dies down I mean there's no invincibility there at all now look at the invincibility of someone that sits in the change room and says you know what if we win that's going to be awesome and I'm going to do so I'm going to do everything to win but if things don't go my way I know that's going to bring out so much more of me So I would love to win this game, but I would also love to be challenged and to not have it my way. Now, that's invincibility. Sure. Not someone going out there being like, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can make it happen. It's going to go my way. Now, what does that look like as a person that goes on the field? Look at a boxer. Look at any team that's unbeaten. You start to see them get more and more shady. The performances get worse and worse, less exploratory. It's a movement away from potential because it's a movement away from exploring. So, yeah, the point for me as as a kid was that, Success is either an external thing or an internal thing. And being determined by what happens on the outside, which is up for everyone to have their involvement in, if something you can't control determines something you can control, there's a degree of of an issue there. Now, surely you control what you can control and you allow what's on the outside to be an exploration. Mm. It's not being painted that way. And as a result, a lot of solid people, for me, who have been wound to be this is who I am and now being unplugged from the rugby environment through injury or through the end of their career and then are going around trying to plug that in. And the only thing that half seems to fit is if I can get back into coaching. That kind of fits, but not not fully. I'm not fully charged from that. Maybe punditry, but eventually, like, this
4: isn't the same. I remember Stuart Lancaster telling a story when he took over the national team where uh, he asked the players to do a survey to tell them, what was the greatest experience of a team environment that they'd ever been in and why? And the answer that he got was twofold. Most people spoke about playing as a child yeah, or in you, their amateur clubs because yeah. he said, and yeah. the reason was I was playing with my friends. Yeah. So people I enjoyed the company of. And the second one was we played for the fun of it rather than the outcome of Brilliant, yeah. of a goal and things like that. And, yeah. and it sounds like you're trying to shift the dial to yeah. to do that, but... What's your appetite for actually getting into rugby to actually get that conversation to be more, more common? So I, I work with
1: the kickers in the England team um, and that's the journey. The journey is a journey of understanding that when you let go of old conclusions, you regain the opportunity to define redefine everything. So when you say about, I was playing with my friends, well, why can't we be friends in here? Why are we strangers? Now, that's a definition. Uh, it's the same way that you're willing to allow your family so many things to go on there, but with other people, it's not. But it's like, well, where does family end and stop? Now, that's just an exploration. You know, it's, it's a definition that because I was born into this line, this is my family and you are not. But that line of, of where I draw the line will determine where I draw the line on my enjoyment of life. Now, if everyone becomes family and I connect to everyone, then you're in that state. What about why is it for the fun of it? Well, if it's just passion and for now and it's about performance and exploring what you're capable of, that's fun. So put that at the top of the list. Everything is achievable. The world can be how you want it unless we're unconsciously holding on to old ideas,
4: which are doing that definition for us. So what's the response then when you go into this world of old ideas and start talking like this? Because it's so refreshing to hear, but... What's the general reaction to this?
1: But It doesn't come across like this. You guys have asked me a direct question and I'm responding directly. If I was working with someone on skills, you go back in through the door that they present. Right. So it's a, it's a gradual movement towards, and ultimately the, you could get there straight away with a simple answer of like what's the most important thing to you? And it comes down to performance, and then that comes down to health and happiness. And you're kind of like, let's go mm-hmm. there then. But you can't do it straight away because health and happiness is perceived as as a kind of like it's almost a separate journey to being on the field where it's all about this but if you had a chat with someone recently and they were saying someone's told me to be yeah they they think i should find more joy in my playing i'm like right tell me what joy feels like for you and the answer i didn't get was big smiles on the field and i'm joyful they were like it's kind of like just when i'm i'm fully in it i'm like there you go that's deep engagement misunderstanding of what joy is is that smelling the roses involves big smiles now laughing is a definite sign of joy real deep laughter and and but it's because you're deeply involved in the situation you look at someone who's pretending to laugh or trying to laugh you'll see something far from joy the same way you see someone trying to laugh on a field when that's not deeply engaging you so you say right hold on how do we get joy in everything you just deeply engage and then what happens time flies. Now, I, I watch, I love the odd film, and time flies to me when I'm watching a film, and I might be like, geez, that was incredible. But I'm deeply engaged, and time flies. That's what joy is. Mm. It's a deep engagement in life. It's not about smiles and, and happiness. So what we say is, right, ha- I want to be healthy and happy. So well, let's, what does that mean to you? Well, let's get that. Now, what's stopping you from deeply engaging in this, an idea that it's not as it should be, it's not good enough for me, it's not right enough for me, it doesn't fit with who I am. So you're like, well, let's change Let's work on that so that every moment fits.
0: So how, I don't understand how you let go, though. Like, I sit here listening to this and I am jealous of the things you're talking about because I want to live in a life of deep engagement, fully committed. I want to flow. I want to have that growth mindset and the flexible perspective towards everything. But then I you know, I am also looking at other people and thinking, oh, well, they're doing well. Why am I not doing well? And then I'm wondering whether I'm being a good enough parent to my kids. And I know that I've got a really busy week coming up and I know that I haven't spoken to my parents. I feel like I'm carrying with me external pressures, external expectations, internal pressures and expectations, but I don't want them.
3: Yeah.
0: And there'll be lots of people listening to this, probably coming at it from the same angle going, bloody hell, I want to live a free life like Johnny is explaining. Yeah. If you can get there from where you were as the rugby player representing his country a couple of decades ago, then I, I'd like to think all of us can because you've come from a really full-on, very different mindset. Yeah. So if you were able to move, I'd like to think that all of us can. How do we do it?
1: But I think that for a start, there is no arrival. Yeah. There's no, like we said, that, that otherwise you fall back into the idea that I'm going to arrive at retirement yeah. and all that work is going to be worth it you know it's a bit like winning the world cup the immensity of that the ecstasy of that moment incredible but within three or four seconds it's on the decline Mm. there's no lasting nature to it and that's kind of then a a day later you're like oh and and then two months later you're in big trouble because now you're way down at the bottom of the hill looking back at my glory days and then you add injury to that and you whatever you go through that experience so there's there is no part where you think oh it's it's going to be this. The very nature of having an idea of what my potential is is what prevents you from going there. Sort of have a, a story about this where you sort of say you know someone you say to someone just go into that room with you and just find your potential for me. And if they come back with anything you're like you're moving further away from it. If they come back and say what do you mean I don't even know what I'm looking for you like now we're on the right track. Mm. The point is if you've got an idea of what your best is it isn't your best it's just your next limit. It's a limit to your best.
0: So So how do you know you're going in the right direction then?
1: Good question. Now we're we're talking. That's the kind of curiosity. Now, now the thing for me that makes this a big opportunity or that did for me was that I built myself hugely on the idea that who I am was a result of everything I've been through. And it's quite a common one. It, It sort of falls in line with the idea that I'm just a physical being. So like my body's the result of all the food I've eaten all the growth and all the scars I've got it's all linked in there but if I align who I am with that physical existence you know of mind and body I'm just on the decline from the day I'm born I'm dying yeah I don't like these terms I probably would reword this if I was doing this again but but, you know I'm on the decline but when you realise when you just seek a bit deeper for ask the big questions about who I am there's no beginning no end it's already there and I think it's the same way that people talk. So investigating that mm. as a, an opportunity is big. And the way, the way that one way to do it is just to look at, right, well, if, if I catch you on a, a day where you're just feeling good for, for just, you're just feeling good. And I say, right, well, tell me about, you know, that period of your life. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, it's funny. It's like sort of thing. It happened. And I think I've learned so much from it. And now look at the world for me. But if I catch you on a, rough day and I say, tell me about that same period, you'll be like, bloody world was against me. What I mean by the point of that is, is that if you're a result of what you've been through, how can you have two separate causes for the same effect? Surely there's one true way, is there not? The point is, is, is that for me, who I am now is not a result of what I've been through. What I've been through is a result of how I choose to be now. Right. And so you understand that if you start to explore that choice, you'll start to realise that Everything you've been through doesn't decide who you are. Now you're talking about being liberated, but how could you possibly be liberated if you're a product of something? The same way that people talk about leadership, and yet one of the biggest values is, who I am is just a result of all I've been through. But people in an unpredictable world determine your situation, and therefore they're deciding what you've been through, they're deciding how you are now, so, other people and the world holds your potential, or do you hold your potential? Hmm. So, once you get excited about that opportunity to be like, you know, I'm going to go deeper. So, I did it. I went looking for who I am. Where did you look? Good question. Straight away, you're kind of like, well, hold on. This voice in my head, whose is it? These feelings I've got, who do they belong to? And all I found was just a load of old ideas. I never found anything, and I've been acting. I'd been acting on behalf of this apparent me and I couldn't find it I asked for a meeting and he didn't turn up and I'm looking and being like well geez so where's it coming from and they're just old ideas now exploring those old ideas there was no logic to any of them there's no logic to any of them even the what was the biggest one that didn't make sense to you probably being a result of who I am now because or other ones would be I had all these immense fear of the fear failure and the future and all those kind of things. And they were so true when I was younger. And yet on one day I'd be so happy and I'd be like, hold on, how can I be happy if those are still there? If they're true, they must be constant. And if they're constant, they're still there. So how can I be happy? And you create this idea that oh, I'm just distracted from it. You're like, but no, I'm not distracted because I'm fully engaged. So I'm not taking my mind off elsewhere and trying to think of nice things. I'm just fully. En- so how can I fully engage in what I'm doing? if there's this potential consequence that I need to think about. I realized that the problem for me had always been living in my mind. And what that meant was that my old ideas of who I was was deciding for me my memory and my imagination. So I wasn't in control of my memory and imagination. As I let go of those old ideas, my memory expands. And my imagination opened. So I start to be able to, right. to piece together old, old things i had been through in my life. I can piece them together in different orders to create different imaginations. Whereas before, that's who I was and how I got here. So all I could do was translate that into the future. Mm-hmm. That's how I have to get away from here. Whereas now, it's the same understanding that people... I, I get the impression that people think that the now is a result of the past. I would think that. Yeah, but it's not.
0: Show me the past. Yeah, but the now for me is like sitting here having this conversation with you. Right. Whilst thinking, I don't want to be home too late because we've sure. had a busy few days and my wife yeah. will be putting both the kids to bed. Yeah. Um, but I know I put that beef in the arga this morning, so at least there's some food <laughs> yeah. made. Yeah. That's all stuff that happened in the past. Yeah. All of which is determining what I'm feeling now. Yeah. So even though we're having this remarkable and brilliant conversation, there yeah. is still a part of my brain, obviously cracking on with stuff that's already happened in the past I, I, but that but that's the the now
1: has become the content of the world right not the experience of it so the idea that now is a is a time you have to try to get into or live in instead of the now being a state you live through
4: does Are that make familiar, sense you familiar Johnny with the work of Viktor Frankl so did you explore his stuff in this no cuz I'm hearing some parallels with it that intrigue me. So Viktor Frankl was a um, a psychotherapist that he was captured as a prisoner in in Auschwitz. Yeah. And the stats of Auschwitz is that only one in every 28 people that went in there would ever um, survive it, and he was one of them. And when he was finally released, he wrote a book about the experience called Man's Search for Meaning, where he asked the question of why why did I survive and 28 other people wouldn't. And the premise that he came to was this idea of choice. about constantly recognizing how powerful choice was and lots of people he describes it as they were almost overwhelmed by the horror of the Holocaust quite understandably whereas he chose to interpret it in a way and said that he was a caregiver so he said I'm now going to play the role of being the caregiver and the person that encourages others and gives them hope that there's a better future for them and he felt that understanding the power of choice was central in terms of his survival not just physically but mentally
1: I think What you're talking about is is going back to combining the two is that when the now becomes a physical situation, then yes, past exists. So the physical, the material side of this world for me, yeah, where I park my car, I'm hoping that's where I'm going to find it when I finish. Mm -hmm. It's the same deal, but it's physical. But when who I am becomes physical, I fall into the same laws and that choice goes because how can I have choice? You know, if, if I'm yep. going to try and work through the physical, because the physical is what it seems. Now, obviously, actually, you can go a lot deeper into that physical side. It's not actually what it seems, but on the surface, it's, it's cause and effect. So when you invest in the situation, physical situation determines my inner state, yeah. you fall into that stage. The difference is for me, is where choice comes from is beyond old ideas. As soon as I decided this is who I am. That decided for me immediately, this is how I see things. Yep. That decided immediately for me, this is how I'm going to feel about things that happen to and around me, which decided this is what I'm going to do about it, which decides what I create. Mm. That decision of how I see myself immediately translates to what I can create in the world, which is why when people start to create different things, it always relates to a shift of how they see themselves. So when people say things of like, mostly when, yeah, when it goes through, Difficult times for me. It was a mental health thing, and yeah, and and, yeah. There's still loads and loads of interesting challenges for me. But with those challenges, always affects at the level of how I see myself. And when there's a shift there, there's a shift everywhere. But what tends to be the case is that when you're looking at when when I find when I was younger, looking at I want to change what I create. I went back as far as how I feel, and then when I got older, I tried to go back to how I see things. But I never went back to exploring how I see myself. And as a result, you just end up creating more and more problems. It's like yeah. trying to feel differently than how you see things. Yeah. No chance. Trying to see things differently to how you start to see yourself won't work. But most people talk about, oh, if you keep doing the same thing, you'll keep getting the same thing. It's like, well, if you keep seeing yourself the same way, the whole thing's done. So there has to be a desire to look inwards honestly at some of the... It feels
0: like a very brave thing to do, though. Yeah. It kind of... Yeah. It definitely. panics me a little bit when I think about doing it, you know? Yeah, but I think because... Because the idea being is that if
1: all I've been through has become my worth yeah. and my value, then letting that go is, of course, you're letting go of everything. Mm. But actually, my experience is, is you just ask, how do you feel at your very best? But what if and, and if, and the answer to that is, is I feel liberated. And when you're at your very best, are you thinking about who I am and how I'm yeah. a great person? No, you're just free of yeah. those thoughts. So in a way, every moment you get where you're outside of thought
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
0: What about if you feel free when you're not at work, but you have to do your job to pay your bills? Or you feel free when you're not with your wife and children? And that scares the living daylights out of you because you want to be with your wife and children. Yeah. That that will create difficult conversations for people, I but, think.
1: But yeah, I agree. But any line that's been drawn between any line that divides, you know, this from this is a definition, right? Because there is no line anywhere else. You look explain at explain that. Well, the physical line of the body. Investigate it, explore it deeply. There's no line there. It's just one field. You know, even from a perspective of a, a tree, you can't draw a line around a tree and go, "That's where the tree stops." The tree involves the soil. You, the tree doesn't just stop. The soil mm-hmm. is constantly exchanging the tree. It's like an ecosystem tree. System Yeah. A, everything is, everything is, is one. Everything is connected. So every time we draw a line between us and someone else, it's our line. And every time you draw a line between work and home, that's our line. Now, you could say, oh, well, I'm at work, I'm at this office, but it's kind of like, right, but when you're at home, what, are, it was, what is it? It's, it's me and this moment. What are you doing at the office? It's me and this moment. Those lines are our choice, you mentioned, yeah. All, albeit really difficult ones. And I'd spoke to a, I had a chat with a triathlete who was saying to me, I'd made an analogy that about how I, when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, you know, playing a World Cup final, that's important. And now, you know, the idea about doing the washing up would have been like, don't you dare. And now I'm like, I love doing the washing up. And he couldn't believe it. It was like, it's rubbish. I said, well, what is it you love about, what def, define tr- being a triathlete to me? And he was saying about, doing the run and then the swim and then the cycle or whatever. i say, okay, right now, break that down for me. What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm moving my body to get to a goal. I said, right, what are you doing when you're doing the washing up? Moving my body to get to a goal. So why is one good and one's bad? Why because of you...
0: outside opinions and influences, I suppose. Because of old ideas. Would,
1: that, yeah. that, that I've decided that this is something yeah. I like doing because I plug into this because this is what I enjoy doing. So all those, it's a really tricky one, and there's obviously going to be likes and dislikes, but whether or not you fully yeah. engage
0: comes down to how you are on the inside. Does that make lifting a World Cup more important than doing the washing up?
1: No. No. No, that's my decision. If I, if I choose to be a World Cup winner because I've lifted a World Cup, that's going to be my next limit. Because when I'm a World Cup winner or I'm a rugby player that won the World Cup, now I'm a guy that's walking around being the rugby that wins the World Cup. And what happens when England win it again? I'm like, oh, I'm a less important guy who won a World Cup just the same as the other guys. Mm. And now the next time England are playing, I'm like, oh, I hope they don't win it. But I hope they do really well because I work the guys, but I hope they don't win it. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. If I'm a rugby player, when I finish playing rugby, I'm less of a person. But if I'm a nobody, so this unveiling of the, or this ra- unraveling of these old ideas to, to allow the choice for a new one just means I'm going back from a someone to a no one. And when I'm nothing on the inside... I can be anything on the outside and everything. When I'm a someone on the inside, I can only be.
4: So at this moment in time then, Johnny, who are you?
1: That's the biggest question life has. If I had an answer for that, that would be my next problem. I have no idea. I I see myself as, and every situation as undecided potential.
4: Can I ask you a question then? If we were running a parallel world, this might be a difficult one to answer.
1: I like the start of it already. (laughs) I like the first word yeah yeah Yeah.
4: but if you were to have adopted this way of thinking yeah halfway through your career how do you think it would have been different to be honest for me that
1: I still involve myself when I'm coaching with the guys now I constantly put myself in positions where I'd be like yeah so watch this and I put myself on a pedestal To be like, right, hold on, I've just been, and I've got guys watching, and I'm telling them about this, and now I'm going to do it. So I put myself through the same situation, constantly testing that moment out. We went to a a fair, um, some sort of park the other day. They had a little game thing where you had to shoot basketballs through a hoop to win a prize. Now our little one was like, oh, my God, look at those. And my wife said, oh, Daddy plays basketball most nights outside in the driveway. He's been practicing for this. He'll get you one of those. And I'm kind of like, this is brilliant. Because I can sense that old part of me, the tiny bits that I, you know, that are still, cogs are still trying to turn in that direction. They're going, oh, bloody hell, I better start thinking about this. And, and like, yeah, I just, I'm going to need a bit of time. I'm just going to go and stand. And I'm sort of going, <laughs> and, and this part of me that's now is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to sit here and just, I'm going to absorb this. And I'm saying, because, because it was busy, so we said, oh, we'll go over there to that play park, and then we'll come back and do it. And so what would have happened start of career is I'd have gone over, or middle of career, I'd have gone over to that play park and I would have been absent. I would have been completely absent, walking around, being like, seeing what's going on, but being not there at all, being lost in thought, like you're talking about with that. Because I've decided that there's consequences to what's about to happen that I can't respond to, I can't deal with. Now, everything in my life has told me that everything that happens to me in the now... I'm perfectly equipped for. Everything that happens to me in my mind, I'm ill-equipped for, and it scares the hell out of me. So I choose now rather than my mind. Right. So I look at the play button, I'm like, I'm looking for feeling like, this is fun, I'm going to get involved. And soon enough, what, you've, what I find is that by moving on, you make sense of everything that's happened. What most people, and what I did forever, is you try to make sense of what's happened so you can move on. Yep. What I did was choose, I just want to... Love this moment as all of mm. me. And soon enough, I spoke to my brother because uh, we were looking for a shop in the, in the park and I wanted to, we were looking for something. I said, Where's that shop? And he's like, So I said, Oh, by the way, I'm just about to do this basketball <laughs> thing. Because he, he had to go to the, the, the couple of weeks before. And I was like, Any tips for me? And I can tell the part of me is like, But I'm loving it. I'm like, They're like, and he's telling me this. He's like, Why? He said the ring is like bent this way. So he, he's saying, You need to put some arc on it so it drops in. <laughs> Don't go flat. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm cool. And, but I'm not like, Oh, but what if I miss? I'm sat there and I'm going, I'm excited. Yeah. Now, the consequence for me is, is huge or potentially huge because I don't want to, you know, my old values of can't let anyone down and wasted opportunity. And I'll never be able to get over this, even though it's a tiny thing, but it doesn't matter because it's exploring it, not trying to control it. So now I, we head back over and it's now much empty. And I'm sort of like, I'm like, yeah, walk over. And there's suddenly I'm looking forward Now, the the whole thing about when you mentioned about some of these understandings is that when I've returned myself to more unknown, I get a different relationship with the unknown, if that makes sense. So the unknown doesn't terrify me like it used to. The uncontrollables, it becomes part of me because now I'm unknown. So I find myself connected to the unknown. So I'm walking over that and I'm excited by the unknown. It's another definition of confidence for me, not self-belief just excitement for the unknown. It's a different version of confidence. So I'm walking over and I'm excited about what's happening. I'm excited that I don't know what the ball's going to do. I'm looking at the balls the guy's given me and there's no grip on them whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm excited that I've never seen this make of basketball in my life. And I'm exi- <laughs> they've got ridiculous colors. And I'm looking at thinking, and I'm excited about the interaction I'm having with the guy beforehand. We're having a bit of, yeah. Yeah, a bit of chat about all yeah. oh, this, this, this. And I'm excited about looking around and being like, oh, all the things that you know, my child could choose from.
0: If I get it, all the things we never see, by the way, as adults. Yes, yeah. yeah, isn't exactly. it? You just it go, is. oh yeah, I'll
1: yeah. It's so like, it's a
0: childlike state again. It,
1: and so I'm, I'm looking, and I, and the the technique, as anything with kicking or anything. You mentioned this about the the work ethic of suffering, stress, and sacrifice, and a thousand, 10, hours, and all that. It's not. It's about feel. It's about a deeper, intuitive understanding and connection of the body and a oneness with what it is you're trying to achieve. So that the message through the body is felt clearly in the ball and in the goal. So opening up that feel and intuition is done through practice, but is destroyed by over practice because that's the mind idea. So actually you explore life in order to find that intuition. You don't explore rugby hoping you'll find life. You explore life and you'll find skill. So I'm walking in there and I'm picking up the ball and I'm like, I love the way this feels. In the hand, and I'm kind of like giving it the old, like the old golfer does his practice things. I'm like, there it is. And so I've, I've got the hoop in front of me. The first one, I'm kind of like, and I can feel it's, yeah, feel, not, I'm just, I'm like, shaking. I can feel it's a bit index finger, overweighted. So I'm slightly left and it's off the edge of the ring. And I'm kind of like, okay, next one, I'm like, that's clean, but straight off the back of the ring, straight back <laughs> at me. And that, no sense of, oh, shit, it's my last one. It's just next, you know, it's a brand new journey. One shot, one goal. There's no, it's my last. No, it's just pick it up. And it actually, as soon as I threw it, the guy in the store goes, well, that's in. And I was like, geez, he's short. And it hit the back, hit the front, hit the back, moved up. And I'm like, oh, and it just dropped straight in. Now part of me's kind of like going, "That would have been survival mid-career. I'd have looked at that and gone, thank God for that. As it is, I'm kind of like, yes. I'm like, wow, I did it. But that doesn't last. I'm not walking around being like, look at me, I'm the guy that got the thing. I'm now like, should we go find that shop? Because mm. I'm interested in what I'm getting next. Now, this is what I mean is that you never live a consequence in the now. So if you stay in the now, there's no consequence. But everything you're trying to build, is important to have goals and everything. So there's a difference between what you're trying to build and who you are, if you separate the two. Who you are can remain. So the experience of sport is just in the zone, in the now, total engagement. But the journey might be material. You build a house. Right. So you put that thing in the, you put your beef in the oven or whatever. But right now it's a full engagement, but there's a knowing that, okay, I need to be away by this time. So there's a clarity of being like, I'm fully engaged. Now I'm fully engaged in checking my watch and I'm fully engaged in this. Not I'm half absent here and I'm half absent here and I'm half absent here. And i go home and I'm half absent thinking, oh God, did I do a good interview? Should I
0: have done that? So you can still have desires and wants and outside influences and things going on in your life. And, and the, it's still okay to be like, yeah, I want to be really successful at that's that.
1: But that's the point of living. But don't is, let that
0: dominate you. But
1: that, that, for me, the point of living is to explore that creative yeah. capacity, the inherent role we have as a creative force on this planet. And that's the freedom of choice that comes with being, having self-awareness, is that we have an ability to, to connect to that role as a creator in this. Mm. So creating is the goals. But what I've found was that when I when I sort of started to dissolve a bit of that self-importance, I started to include other people in my goals. And I started to include all my or much more of my being in my goals, in my performance. And as a result, things tended to work out. So my goals were less selfish objectives and more collective visions because they involved the best of everyone, because they were more. Still hugely directed, mm. but open in their in their kind of. So would you still say reality?
0: I want you have a drinks brand? Yeah, yeah. Would you still say I want my drinks brand to be the number one drinks brand in the world, or do you say I want to really enjoy the journey of creating the greatest drink in my opinion, and then we'll see where it goes? What's the What's the process for achievement with the mindset you have? But the the concept at the beginning, throughout, and it will
1: be for areas, is to, like you were talking a little bit with the choice, certainly not in any way, not on the same level as Viktor Frankl, which is just ridiculous, but it's, but it's a, a thing of being, trying to provide some kind of transformational service or opportunity towards health, towards my passion, which is mental and physical health and emotional well-being. So on that, it was like, this is what I'm trying to affect. Now, ideally, if it, if it's successful from a commercial standpoint we can reinvest and grow it and increase that impact but that impact is directly related to my exploration of of my passion Mm. because i'm sort of more involved in the less in the self-importance and more in the kind of i'm exploring those boundaries and and trying to transcend them or working to to sort of transcend them i find that my passion now involves other people so whereas i started my career saying i want to be the best in the world now, if you ask me who the best in the world is right now, I'd be like, I'm, I can't be bothered talking about that. Hmm. I mean, best in the world, how on earth do you define, how do you compare two people? You just, unless you make a, an assumption that, let's say that they all started on exactly the same place and they're exactly the same being, now we can do it. Yeah. But oh, I'm 20 years ago,
0: would you have discussed that at great length? Yeah, Who's the best usually, in the world and where course, do I sit yeah. in that?
1: Well, I would have done it with myself. Yeah. I'd have been like, I think, yeah, the papers are saying that now, so I've pretty much done it. Yeah. And the fact that people then say to me now, what about yourself and, and, uh, Carter and, and, and these guys and, you know, would, and I'm like you've just left off about 30 other people to name just three. It's like you don't get it. There's guys that you'd have never heard of who I've played alongside and gone. I mean, it's it's immense. I would, I would, you know, I'd go to them straight away. And Does it me, matter anyway? Of course it doesn't. Which is the point of saying that at the beginning, I want to be the best. What it did was just that conclusion, that idea, took over my intellect. So my mind is now, every time I see something in the paper about so-and-so, is had a good game? I'm like, oh, shit, I've got to read that, but I don't want to read it. And now I'm stressed about that. And then before the next game, I'm like, oh, if he gets into the team, and I, I better play well today, otherwise I won't keep my game. You're like, well, that one conclusion is deciding how I think. Now, what I said about that before is that that conclusion is now adding to my pressure. And now you say, right, so I'm going to change it. I'm going to be the best I can be. But I mentioned before about if you know what your potential is, it's your next limit. So how do I know what my best is? It's like, well, I don't. So now I've, go, well, I've got to go one step further, which is I want to be all I can be. Yeah. And if I'm going to do that, I've got to stop looking at rugby. I've got to stop looking at something be all bigger than all rugby. You can be. Yeah. And, and that's the point of being like, well, right, because within that, everything else exists. But if you want to be the best rugby player, what people might find, as I did, is I felt like I got there or whatever. And what it meant to the rest of my world was I was deeply unhappy, hugely unsatisfied. I was treating people around me like God knows what. I was... Physically stressed in all kinds of physical state hence the 14 injuries in a row and even when I got injured the first time all I could think of was I've got to get back to where I was total expectation stress no room for beginning again no freedom no liberation no healing mm-hmm. and so I end up with another injury oh, it's even worse now each game's on big comeback and this is going to be the one I've got to get back to where I was trying to control instead of explore what I could be I was okay. trying to say I've got to get back to where I was and so when you say what was the, one of the biggest moments of realisation was that, i kind of like, Jesus, I got 14 messages from the world over and over again being like, just, just be aware of that. No, still not got it? Just be aware of that. No, no, have another one. And this one's your knee. This is an interesting one because you'll do the same knee 30 minutes after you've come back. And this one's a good one. We'll send you on the Lions Tour 2005 when you're so stressed and all over the place and trying to prove yourself and it's a team that doesn't work and now you've got absolutely hammered abroad and, and you're kind of thinking, oh, you thought that would be the last time you had an experience like that after the tour of hell in 97, didn't you? Here it is again. No, not listening? Okay, let's have another one, another year out. And you're kind of like, life involves physical, mental, emotional health and wherever that goes after that. And then you start exploring what you can do with the world. But if you try and explore what you can do with the world without addressing those, you end up working the two against each other and it becomes a journey of smaller and smaller.
4: I love what you're saying. I think it's, I think it's really profound and I think anything that's, that's profound and forces you to think is, is, is well worth investigating. And I think allied to that, your credibility through your past life gives you a platform to really make a difference and shift the dial in this, not not just in sport, but in, in, in society in general. But if we accept that the German philosopher, Arthur Schopenhauer, spoke about three stages of change, first people will laugh at you. Yeah. Then they'll oppose you and tell you why it's ridiculous. And yeah. then finally they'll come to accept it as common sense. Yeah. Where do you think you are on that journey to get other people to, to engage with this? This alternative way of
1: thinking? Um, I think it's about where I am. I think it's I think it's a, a or
4: society yeah, in general. I think it's a state of
1: society in general. And that you mentioned, I think, at the very beginning, that there's been thousands of people who've walked this planet, millions, billions, trillions of, of God knows how many. And everyone has had the same aim of you know, or so many of them have had the same aim of transforming the world into something and they've all come with their the beliefs of good and bad and right and wrong, and this is where we are. And it's not to say that they've been wrong at all. It's just to be the fact that it's time to keep, and no more than ever now, to keep looking back inside and questioning and looking at yourself. Because it's so easy to to go to the outside and say, this is why. But as long as, for me, for example, for my situation, if I need certain things to be a certain way, I'm held hostage by them. And that means that whoever's in that situation, I will then say, blame them for being like, oh, you're controlling me. In that respect, you know, whatever it has been, you know, with regard to, you know, it could have been around rugby, but mostly it was myself to myself. So you mentioned those three stages. I'd have been like, I would have have those three stages. If I went back to my twenty-two-year-old self now and sort of gave them this. I'd get laughed at, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then probably a bit later on, twenty-four-ish after the World Cup, I would have such a strong idea that I'd come back at me. Definitely, I'd be saying, oh, "You're a joke. You're yeah. That's that's weakness. That's just giving in and all that kind of thing." And then. Mm. 28, i I'll be like, please, please let me have this. Because that was, yeah, that was one of my major mental health sort of points. And it's really a case of saying that, for me anyway, there's no right wrong. Everyone is where they're supposed to be right. uh, in terms of that stage. And, and to think that I have the answer, I don't. I'm just exploring my own perspective and my own thing and, and trying to share anything that, that might allow others to explore theirs. But to think that I know anything about anyone else or what's right and wrong i've thought i have in the past and i've looked at what i've done and i've looked at the environments i've created i read i wrote a book in 2004 just after the world cup i would be surprised if there wasn't sort of a spike in mental health cases after i wrote it just because it was so dogmatic you know you were mentioning about suffering i was mentioning about suffering stressing that's all the message is to all these kids with passion for rabbit i pretty much Sort of eradicated the idea that passion had anything to do with performance, and just told them it was all about this and this and this and this and this. And some people came back at the time were like, "Yeah, I really love this." I'm sort of looking back now, thinking, "I hope they." What's your relationship
0: like with regret? Do you have that no, for that book? No,
1: no, 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 because of the same reason is that if I put myself back into that same body and just said, "Right, one condition: you have to see yourself the way you saw yourself then," it's done. I would see things the way I saw them. You'd do it again. I would feel the way I feel. I'd do what I did. I'd create what I created. And therefore, there's nothing to do but accept it. But also to realize by accepting it, I am now no longer attached to it. I'm not the result of it. And if I'm not the result of it, how can I be regretful? It's a bit like I said this to someone about watching a a sort of post-match video analysis. Used to sit in the, in the meeting room like this, and you, everyone's looking over the mistakes they've made and going, Shh, it's coming up on the video an hour. Oh my God, this is my one. This is my one. When I throw the interception or I drop the ball or I miss that tackle, the coach is going to kill me. Oh my God. And what are the other guys thinking? Oh no, this is so embarrassing, whatever. But the reason that's there is because everyone's attached to who they were then is part of who they are now as, as, at the deepest level. And therefore, you have to take on feelings, you have to feel humiliated but you can't see it objectively but when you have that deep acceptance of okay that was me of then who did that and that me of them because that's how they saw themselves, what I can say is they were living, they were giving it their all, that's what you can say about how we live in every moment, according to how you see yourselves you're giving it your all, so I can look at that and say that was that version of me giving it's all it's got nothing to do with how this version of me wants to be, mm. and so therefore I can look at it objectively, so I'm looking at it as if it was you on the video doing it but I'm watching me and I'm watching me drop a pass and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I probably would have done that. And someone tries to say, oh, sorry, but I'm lucky about that. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm fresh, I'm brand new. So what's
0: left of the Johnny Wilkinson that won the World Cup?
1: Memory, the same memories, but just not in a given order. I've got the beautiful memories, but I can see them how I want to see them. But if you went back to me at 25 and said, what's left of your memories now? I'd be like, this is my memories. That's my path of life. That's how mm-hmm. it is. Whereas now I can draw up any memory and, and it represents something completely different according to how I need it now. Yeah, yeah. So if, you, if we were going to talk about a moment of, you know, like the kick, kick in the drop go on, and that moment of when it needs to happen, how do you perform a technique? Now, when I was 25 and I didn't have control of that, I'd just be like, um, well, I just put the ball here and kicked it. And when I was 28, I look at it slightly differently. But now I look at it, I, I can explore it again as if it's brand new, and I get new insights about it now. I'm just looking at it thinking, do you know what's amazing? Because of this, and I think because of this, and I... so my own memory has become an exploration for mm. me, rather than something that's telling me how I need to live my life. It's become part of my. Are you
0: able now to enjoy things that at the time were painful? As in, are you able to watch a period in your career where you knew you were struggling with mental health and you weren't happy? I'm fascinated by it, and you can now watch yeah. that, and you can fascinated yeah. by it.
1: Yeah. There's games where I was out in that field and I was doing well just to leave the hotel room because of the mental state I was in. I've, there was games there where I phoned up family and I phoned up Blackie, a big part of my, yeah. my, my life, and, and I was trying to find reasons to not play. I was trying to think about you know, whether I mentioned injury or whether it's okay to say that mentally I'm just, I'm gone. You know, and this is me after two World Cups, two thousand three and seven, where we've got to the final and won them or whatever. I am I'm doing well just to leave the hotel room. And I look at it and I'm fascinated by it. Not because of a like, this is a great story to tell people that paint me in a certain light. It's not it's because I'm looking at it being like, I'm fascinated by by how things can how we can see things certain ways and how we can see them differently and how that choice as you mentioned is there and how you know and that I'm fascinated by becoming responsible for that choice and therefore I, I love exploring those moments and I look back mm-hmm. at them now and I'm I look at everything fondly to know that like I said at that time I was doing my best I was giving my all because it's impossible not to in life Whether I decide to be la- you know lazy and sit down and just apparently lazy and sit down and do this it's the best I can do because it's it's how I see myself will govern that decision. But that's also not just the past. That's now. It's happening now. What I'm doing now is I know it's the best I can do. And I might go and say, after this, oh, yeah, if you'd asked me that again, I might have said this. It's irrelevant hmm. because that's the best that me can do. But this is the you This is not me now. So just f- fully embrace this me of now.
4: Johnny, that description of struggling to leave your hotel room, I find it quite moving yeah. because... The pain that you were obviously in, and the struggle that you were facing, is uh, is quite profoundly sad. If I was working as a coach or working within an environment, whether this is the office, whether it's a sports team, whether it's in a classroom, what sort of signs should we be looking out for that somebody is is engaged in that struggle? Are there any? Is there any common traits that is worth us exploring?
1: I think it's it's difficult because often people look at players and say that's just how and they are, just let them get on with it. But I think the, same, the big question is, are you okay with feeling like this? As in, it's to, be able to say, you know, and I think, but that can only come from a position of someone who's exploring. Because if a coach is feeling a little bit the same way about yeah. the result needs to go a certain way, then there's no, you know, you can't transmit a certain message and be the opposite of that message. It, it becomes even more confusing and, and damaging. But I think the question is, are you okay with it? And exploring that with someone to be like is this how you want your life to be because that's what you work with people on how do you want your life to be you start there not with how do you want your life to turn out you start with how do you want your experience of life to be
4: mm. and then you
1: say let's work on that and it always comes back to well when you're at your very best tell me how you feel and it'll be the same answer as how do you want your life to be i want to feel inspired i want to feel connected i want to feel fully engaged i want to feel effortless I want to feel like anything's possible how are you feeling right now I'm feeling absolutely fearful the stress and you're kind of like right is that how you, are you happy with this or because we're sort of saying that you know it can be maybe it doesn't have to be this way yeah but most, you know there'll be a fight with that because it's understood that actually by feeling this way the game seems to go okay and therefore I think well actually if I suffer a bit more it might go even better next time before you know it, you're suffering so badly, and then all it takes is you to realise that this isn't helping my performance. To be like, Look, are you ready to explore a different way? And it's Jesus it's challenging, it involves mm. a bit of vulnerability, mm. definitely. If you ask me to sit in a change room and just sit there and be, go on the mindset of if someone says to you, "How's this going to turn out?" Don't go with the necessarily the idea of it's fine. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to kill him, It's going to be great. Go with the mindset of like, who knows? Don't <laughs> know. Let's see you ready? yeah definitely ready let's go and take it on but we're so used to saying they need reassurance so let's give them the reassurance it's going to be fine but what we're doing is covering up the opportunity to explore all it can be and we're trying to tell them what it should be or what it must be or what it will be instead of no you go explore all it can be but just to understand that ongoing support of realizing that no matter what happens your worth and value cannot be touched by it your worth and value as a as a player in terms of the contract, okay, these things are moved, but but we understand each other that your worth as a as a being an individual can never be touched and will always be the same that's how I treat you, and that's how we treat each other that if I have to drop you from the squad, you will feel in the way that i that we have that conversation that there couldn't be a greater respect for you, and that nothing changed and it's that that always did it for me in terms of a squad it was it it was knowing that that team is there and that support is there no matter what. And yet, because of the influence of the media and this hierarchical thing about who's better than this, who should be doing this, that sometimes feels like it's taken away.
4: Mm.
1: And you feel a bit like my importance, my actual self-worth, my value is defined by these games which I can't fully control. And then you're, that's a tough place to be.
4: So as a father then, if your daughter... Chose an aptitude for a certain sport, and she goes into it, and she has some of that drive for perfection, and all those other f- environmental aspects that you experienced as a child when she went into it. Given what you know now, how would that influence you as a parent? The thing is, is I don't know anything,
1: and I wouldn't know anything about her. Yeah, I don't talk about my endors too much, but about anyone, I don't own anyone; they're not mine. I don't know them. And therefore, that's what the unconditional nature of how I treat them is. I haven't got expectations or I don't know that you should be able to do this. It's just like everything you do is where you're supposed to be. Mm. And I'm here to to try to be a constant opportunity to
0: explore. But you obviously know things that your daughter, for example, wouldn't know. So it's you would pass that on. Yeah,
1: but those things, I would pass on things with regard to physical and mechanical skills but i can't give it anything to do with who you are how you should see things that's a choice now if i start reaching into that i'm i'm trying Mm. to shape someone now if i'm going to shape someone i must know exactly the most perfect shape for it to be but i don't because i'm exploring my own life so I don't I don't touch that, but I go into skills and things to be like, look, here's something to explore with my skills. I've done a lot of things mechanically. This seems to be work with me very much in the cause and effect route. How does it feel for you? It's never a case of right and wrong. It's just like, you know, do that with the guys to be like, look, try this and everything's life-based, but like be like, here's a representation of it physically standing up bigger and taller, aligned in the spine, looseness in the limbs, all these things that represent something, being grounded. It's all a, a life-based feel, but it's done through skills. And to be like, if it's working, great. If people prefer to be more <laughs> here, it's kind of like, well, let's go from there and, and let's explore that. Right. There is no right and wrong. I think people, for me anyway, it tends to be this thing about that disappointment and, and anger are wrong. It's like, no, it's what is. But when you explore them, their possibilities, but when you react to them, they become damaging.
0: And with that answer in mind, my final question was going to be for people who have listened to this podcast, mm. feel maybe a bit like me that this is a journey that they would like to know more about. What would be your piece of advice to begin the journey that you've been on? Where did you begin it? What What's the one it's thing a, people a, can a, take away from this conversation? It's a, it's a
1: good question, um, but it's also it's a tricky one because. Yeah.
0: But it, in some ways it flies in the face of everything we've A little bit, mentioned. Yeah. It, but it also, it's also that if
1: without knowing or getting to know someone through what they say and, and spending time with people, it's one of those where it's, it's almost more dangerous. But f- for me, it was, it was just asking the big question of how am I at my best? And then hearing that and being like, doesn't it feel amazing? And it's like, what's stopping me? from being like that all the time. And a, a, a clever or clever, a sort of tool that I use would be like, if you imagine, I call it like the super version of you. I don't mean that as in it's better. I just mean like a, the super version of you doing what you want to do or you're about to do. And imagine that super version of you doing it in just the most, however you want them to do it. I use beautiful, graceful, flowing, just connected, just light airy all those kind of things and i imagine it and then i ask a simple question of what is it that they have that i don't and the answer is nothing the bigger question is what is it that i have that they don't what is it that i'm holding on to that they're not and letting go is something i can do immediately but we create this idea that the super version of you has done the ten thousand hours the super version of you isn't about getting all the ticks it's about the graceful beauty the flow the elegance the 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 connectedness and that comes down to what we have and they don't not the other way around Mm. and so just be it but don't try and compare yourself to it be your version of it right now and you'll realize that your version is way better than you could have ever
0: imagined. wonderful answer incredible conversation we have some quick fire questions we finish with these yep regardless of who the guest is um The three non-negotiable behaviours that people around you must buy into. Impossible. Impossible to answer.
1: No such thing as a a non-negotiable.
4: Is openness one? Well,
1: the thing is, though, if if this is a really... Because one of the things that we would speak about is, is creating the environment, internal environment, for potential to blossom. And you sort of say, well, what is that internal environment? Aliveness, openness... And you're sort of like, right, but if you know what aliveness and openness is, it's not aliveness or openness. It's conforming to an idea. So you just have to go on the basis of how do you become alive is to choose now and choose unknown, choose, choose to say, what do I really know about anything in life? And realize that once I dis- once I realize I know nothing, everything becomes a possibility. Yeah.
0: Now I'm worried, though, that what I think I need to be, I'm actually just being controlled by outside forces rather than the right being open. What I think is open is actually just my opinion of open. But you just said it
1: there. You said what I need to be. If you'd have said what I want to be, it'd be a different question. Need and want are the difference between external influence and internal. And if it's what you want, then it's for you. If it's what you need, then it's for the the basis of, of pleasing something else.
4: What advice would you give a teenage Johnny starting out? Just
1: going back to passion, there's nothing more powerful than passion, excitement, and a willingness to learn. And that comes in the same basis of curiosity. be those things would be the things that I would constantly probe at. I would challenge constantly to be like, right. So where's the opportunity in this and move away from the dead end of I've worked this out and move back to the space of, I can use that to, to see what's possible. Um, that's what I do, just ignite or continue to keep that passion burning. Cause that's yeah, when I when I called that day with rugby, when I was about to, one of the things I, I remember saying uh to someone was that the passion has been replaced by pressure. And here yeah, this is at the end of my career when I'd sort of evolved towards more opportunity. And even still I called it that as if there was some kind of as if it was the the game's fault for holding up banners with my name at, at games or writing in the paper that I was going to do this, or if it was the fact that I had two finals in the end season and couldn't bear it. It's like, but it was all mine. It was my pressure covering up my passion. And so I look at that thing, I gave up the game on the basis of, you know, of my own doing. And I'd say, keep that passion alive and anything's possible.
0: Yeah. Are you happy?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think you'd have to redefine happiness. How do you define it? It's a really good question. I've never even gone to that because that's normally the base level. But for me, it's like, if we're talking about it now, am I happy? To get away from the definition of, am I
0: walking around? Yeah. Kind of like people expect to see well, you kind of okay, smile. Are you happy in your definition of happiness? Maybe yeah. if you don't know what that is, maybe think, that's hard. I think is, am, I, am, I great,
1: am I grateful to be alive? Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly.
4: And what's your one golden rule for a high-performance life?
1: Explore, that's it, versus control. As soon as you're on controlling, it's a decision that I know how things should be, and then with that is the downhills sort of ever-reducing cycle of pressure, expectation. As soon as you let go of that understanding of or that self-importance of I know how things are and they need to be, you're in a space of exploring. Um, that doesn't mean you know, that you've stopped training doing everything it means the opposite just you explore your training you explore your rest you explore your your own body you explore your own being you explore everything and if you're exploring you're going to find something new when you find something new you're growing if you spend this life growing and exploring and finding out new things and whatever by the end that seems like a reasonable journey and if, if you're exploring what's on the inside it's a it's a damn good journey
0: thank you very much pleasure damien jake what did you make of that?
4: My brain is hurting, if I'm honest. But in a really good way, I think he made he made me think. I think he challenged lots of of these old beliefs, old perceptions that we have about success. And the fact that we never spoke about rugby once in the conversation, I thought, was, was really quite telling.
0: I feel kind of um, armed against criticism or sniping or negativity of people going, oh, what's Johnny Wilkinson talking about? I don't get it. Because what he spoke about was that other people's perceptions are an absolute irrelevance. So if people have listened to that and have taken loads from it, and I think I have, then great. If people have listened to that and it's not for them, then it doesn't matter, does it?
4: Exactly. I think he gave that great description of himself that if if he'd have been a 22 year old player listening to that conversation, he'd have dismissed it. Then at 25, he would have uh, argued back against it. And then at 28, he'd have embraced it fully. And I think, it's where you are at a particular time. That means that those lessons will be relevant or otherwise to you.
0: And I'll tell you where I am. I am at a point where I find some of the things he talked about quite a stretch and quite a reach Yeah. because my, you know, why would I, why would I not? Because my brain is not in the place that his is in. Yeah. He's spent a lot of time thinking and learning and questioning where I am absolutely aligned with him is in the flow and the growth mindset and being present and living passionately yep. and being fully connected. You know, I kind of, when I finish being alive, I want to be like an exhausted, burned out husk of a person because yep. I want to have given absolutely everything rather than just sort of float through and quite enjoy right. it sometimes. That's that interesting. Really in
4: that in Nowhere are you talking purely about, making so much money, living in a certain size house, driving a certain car. It's all about the being that I think Johnny was describing. I mean, personally, what I took from it was I loved this challenge of, rather than talking about is something right or wrong, I like the question, is it helpful or unhelpful? Is how you're feeling at this moment helpful and how you want to feel, or is it not? And I think they're really great places to go because it stops us getting into a world of black and white, you win or lose, you're a success Mm. or a failure you're just where you are at a certain moment of time with the resources you have.
0: And I now look at all of the conversations we've had up until this point with some of the greatest minds, greatest leaders, greatest achievers. And it feels like maybe we none of us have quite got deep enough, you know? Yeah,
4: Yeah. and, it, and the phrase I used at the start when we were with Johnny was that I think courage is a real feature of him in terms of the physical courage, what he did at a certain stage of his life. But the courage now to come on here and to share some of those ideas and challenge some of our thinking is something that i really respect and admire and, and i hope people listening admire that virtue of courage that is he, that shown
0: thanks for your time
4: no oh, brilliant thank you
0: Well, Damien, as always, it's nice to sort of sit and take a look at what people have been saying about the pod over the last few days. Um, And what I love is people listening to episodes that have been around for a while. So um, a message came in on Twitter saying, having just discovered the High Performance Podcast, I am now binge listening. Um, Dina Asher-Smith is a ray of sunshine. Not only does she love what she does, but she has time for everyone too. Um, And also someone said, um, I love Ben Ainsley. The podcast was thought-provoking. His attitude to analysing and challenging facts failure was similar to the re Wabara method and i agree with them both that hitting the home truths first and learning from others failures is key to living a high performance life and i like listening back to these episodes because you can pick out threads that that bind together all of the high performance individuals that we speak to
4: yeah i think one of the big things that we've identified in doing this jake is that we almost want them to be timeless that we want to capture um some of the lessons from these guys that people can go back to in years to come and understand the success and the clues that they've left behind i think another big thing then is it i'm delighted when you say that that people are picking up the threads the common ground between these guys that their their industry their endeavors might have been different but the self-belief or Mm. the resilience are characteristics that are just as applicable
0: if today's episode of the podcast featuring johnny wilkinson is the first time that you've found high performance Honestly, please go back and listen. You've got the whole of Series 2 and Series 1 to catch up on. Um, and it's lovely when people find old episodes and feel that it's moved them so much, they want to get in touch.
4: So my brother-in-law recommended an awesome podcast, which I've just listened to for the first time, called The High Performance Podcast. It's by Damien Lewis and Jake Humphrey. And I have just listened to the Sean Wayne episode, and my mind is Alone, i have never ever listened to a podcast that is so inspirational and just like has literally taken my breath away every single step of the journey and how he said it and how you teased it out of him um it's just literally made my day so thank you so much and everyone download the high performance podcast
0: Well, that was a message that came in from Financielle, who got in touch with us on Instagram. And the thing that got me there, Damien, I mean, the fact that she was almost moved to tears, had a tear in my eye.
4: Yeah, very much. And I think that's a huge testament to Sean when we met him and just um, for someone to be so open and honest about his own childhood and the own experiences that have shaped him to be the father and the coach that he is today, I think speaks volumes for him as a person because vulnerability is one of the big key themes of this podcast people being prepared to open themselves up whether that's to failure whether it's to feedback or whether it's for to as in Sean's case traumatic experiences to open themselves up and learn from it is phenomenal and it gives me huge satisfaction
0: and look Damien and I are so fortunate to be in a position where we can sit and talk to these people but we can all do this you know Everyone knows something you don't know. So every time you walk into a room, every time you meet someone new, just ask a question of them, just challenge them. And that's how I have learned more in my life than I ever would have picked up otherwise, is just asking questions. And it's amazing, Damien, how often people are willing to share.
4: Yeah, there was a brilliant study years ago, Jake, From um, they did it at American med schools where they were looking at doctors that were sued the most versus doctors that were sued the least. And when they did the study, what they found is doctors that were sued the least had the only difference was longer appointment times. And on average, the appointment times tended to be about three and a half minutes longer. So they're not giving better advice in that three and a half minutes. What they're doing is just simply creating space to listen. So when you deliver a prognosis or a diagnosis to a patient, and then you just allow them to respond and listen. And Mm -hmm. one of the phrases they talk about in med schools is you get comfortable with discomfort. So you get if somebody's upset, you don't immediately try to fix it. You just allow them to be upset, and you just stay there with them. And I think that some of these themes on the podcast, if if it challenges you, rather than turn it off or assume that they're wrong, just listen to it. Be but discom- allow the discomfort of maybe having your thoughts challenged. Just to stay there, and then eventually you'll process it and come up with your with your version of it, of however you define it.
0: Great advice. I love that. And um, as well as asking questions of people, open yourselves up to people as well. Be the person that is so open and so honest. People come to you for advice. I think that is an, another important thing in this life. Um, and we very much look forward to your comments coming in after this episode with Johnny Wilkinson. It was an amazing conversation, not one that either of us were expecting, probably not one that you were expecting either. But I hope you found it enlightening. And that's pretty much it. A huge thanks to Finn Ryan at Rethink Audio for his hard work on the podcast, to all of the team behind the High Performance Podcast. Don't forget, check us out on YouTube. Um, You can follow at High Performance on Instagram as well. And we look forward to welcoming you back for Series 3, which will be coming your way very soon indeed. Thanks so much for the support, and we'll speak soon.
2: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
3: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ.